third wheel. Do you know what that means if you're a third wheel? It means that you're the odd person out, like you have some friends that are married or they're dating and then you're along with them on a date or a, a trip or those kinds of things. Have you ever been a third wheel before? Or a fifth wheel? Two couples and then you. I lived in that experience for about four months one year and I learned a lot. I'm a better person now, I think. Made some mistakes. One time I was a third wheel on a backpacking trip. It wasn't intentional. Um, there were some other people that were supposed to go and then everyone else dropped out and it was just me and David Asherick and Violetta, his wife, and a five-day trip in the wilderness. Uh, they had a tent and I was out on a, on a pad <laughs> some distance away. It was a great trip though. I, w I was told that I, I made a really good third wheel. This was before I was married and, and everything. Um, but it's a little awkward being a third wheel, fifth wheel, uh, ninth wheel, I suppose that could exist. It's a little awkward. And our story today, we're continuing our series through the kings of the Old Testament. Our story today is kind of about a third wheel. And I think I'll, you'll see what I mean when we dive into the story. So let's go, instead of the, to 2 Kings, we've been in 2 Kings, we're going to the parallel passage in 2 Chronicles, chapter 24. 2 Chronicles, chapter 24. Last week we talked about Athaliah, right? Killed her family so she could be queen. Step-by-step -step compromise in her life. The idolatry that she worshipped led her to do this horrible deed. But you'll recall in her story that she missed one of the family members. She didn't wipe out all of them. There was a little baby boy, one year old. A little baby that, that the aunt, Jehosheba, the wife of the priest, grabbed, snatched out of his room and ran and took him into the temple. And little baby Joash grew up for the next six years in hiding in the temple. Can you imagine growing up, not being able to leave a certain area, like you're growing up here in the church, but you can't leave? Got to stay in the Pathfinder building. Got to live in Bellman Hall. Can't show your face because your life is at risk. That was Joash's childhood. He was one year old, so he didn't really know any better. Um, his uncle was the priest who helped to raise him, point him in the direction of God. But we talked last week about how when he was seven years old, the priest said, it's time for Joash to become king. Anybody seven here? No, not quite. Seven, seven years old. Can you imagine being queen? That'd be pretty crazy. The queen at seven years old, king, president at seven. You can imagine that he needed a lot of help. He needed a lot of support and guidance. He couldn't do it on his own. And so there he stood by the pillar in the temple. We talked last week how the, the, the book of the law was in his hands. The crown was placed on his head and they said, Behold, 
the new King Joash. And in all the midst of that, Athaliah heard the commotion and eventually she was deposed, which is a fancy word, a nice word of saying she was executed. And the people were so happy because she was such a wicked queen. And now Joash begins to reign. Can you imagine like sitting on a throne, you're a little kid, and you're like, I don't even know like how to cook, and I'm king. So scholars say it's likely that the priest was kind of there helping to guide young King Joash during the early years of his reign. He was there helping him make decisions and guiding him to get the kingdom off on a good start. So we pick up the story in 2 Chronicles 24, verse 1. It says, Joash was seven years old when he became king, and he reigned for how many years? Forty years in Jerusalem. He had a good long reign. His mother's name was Zibiah of Beersheba, and Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. And Jehoiada took two wives for him, and he had sons and daughters. Now, some people are a little puzzled and confused It says, hey, uh, I thought we were just supposed to have one wife. How come Joash, how come the priest gave Joash two wives? And the answer is, I don't know. (laughs) But we know that God's ideal is always one person, right? One wife, one husband. Um, You see, the Bible sometimes describes things that happened, but a description is not a prescription, right? Just because there were character flaws of the people in the Bible doesn't mean that we too can embrace those same character flaws. Does that make sense? David made a lot of mistakes, but we shouldn't emulate and follow after those same mistakes. Sometimes people get confused. They think the description is a prescription for their own life. But nonetheless, Jehoiada was there for King Joash from the very beginning. And he was, at minimum, he was 90 years old at this time, the the priest. Uh, And he could have been even older, perhaps as old as 107. He's an old guy, but he's taking time to mentor young Joash. He probably couldn't hear it, but in the video, in the announcements, that lady at the ABC, she was 101. And she was saying, I'm 101, and I'm getting glow tracks, and I'm passing them out to my neighbors, because she wanted her neighbors to know about God. You're never too old to do something for God. Amen? Amen. Physical limitations may limit what we're able to do, but you can always do something. I was visiting somebody. They were not doing so well. But I said, you know what? You could be praying for people right here on your bed. You can be thinking about people who need prayer and praying for those situations. And that's doing a lot. That's doing a lot. The priest was doing a lot. Jehoiada was doing a lot, raising young Joash. And apparently it helped Joash get a good start to his life. We see verse 4. Now it happened after this that Joash set his heart on repairing the house of the Lord. The temple had fallen into disrepair through neglect and through abuse of the temple. So verse 5, he gathered the priests and the Levites, and he said to them, Go out to the cities of Judah and gather from all Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year, and see that you do it quickly. Get it done. Don't delay. But the next phrase says, however, the Levites did not do it quickly. 
You ever had projects around your house you know that you want to get done and then they don't, right? When I was about your age, actually it was a little bit older, but I had this small guitar and I got this idea in my mind that I was going to refurbish this guitar and make it even better. Guess what? I think if I go visit my parents, that guitar is still in an unfinished, nasty condition at home. I realized it's actually hard to work on guitars if you don't know what you're doing, right? But we know what it's like to put projects off. And the Levites fell into this trap, and they didn't get things done quickly. Um, Croft's referencing this story in the book of Kings. We find that we get to the 23rd year of the reign of, of Joash. So now he's 30 years old. We're not sure exactly when he made the request, but it's been, it's been a number of years. We get to verse 6. So the king called Jehoiada the chief priest and said to him, Why have you not required the Levites to bring in from Judah and Jerusalem all the collection according to the commandment of Moses, the servant of the Lord, of the assembly of Israel, for the tabernacle witness? We don't have his answer there. Maybe he was just too old and too tired, or maybe he was a little forgetful. But verse 7 explains that the sons of Athaliah had done bad things. They had taken idols and put them in, profaning the temple. They had broken the temple down. And so Joash says, I'm going to take things into my own hands, and you know what we're going to do? I have this awesome plan, and the plan is called, we're going to make a box. And the box is going to have a hole in the lid. And we're going to put it right here near the entrance so when people walk in, they'll see the box, we'll tell them about it, they'll see the hole in the lid, and they'll put money in it. And this is our fundraising campaign. It's really a simple but great plan. And you know what? The verses 8 and onward describe how it worked, and it actually worked. Because people would come in, they would see the temple broken down, and they would realize we can put something in the box. And when the box got full, they would carry the money away and empty it and put it back out there until they had sufficient funds to do the work. Day by day, they got more and more money until they had enough. Verse 12, then king, the king and Jehoiada gave it to those who did the work of service of the house of the Lord, and they hired masons and carpenters to repair the house of the Lord, and also those who worked in iron and bronze to restore the house of the work. So they got to work. He got back on track and they started redoing the church. We've got some building projects that we're working on for our church. Some things that we're working on restoring and rebuilding. Thanks to your generous gifts. Thanks to um, many other things. Verse 14, when they had finished, they brought the rest of the money before the king Jehoiada and they made from it articles for the house of the Lord, articles for serving and offering, spoons and vessels of gold and silver. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehoiada. They had so much extra money, they said, hey, let's melt down this gold and silver and bronze and let's turn it into something nice for God. And so they made special uh, utensils, special bowls, special vessels, for use in the temple. They not only made it stronger, but they made the, the house prettier for the glory of God. And things are going good. But unfortunately, 
we get to verse 15. But Jehoiada grew old and was full of days, and he died. How old was he, according to the passage? 130. Oldest guy after the people who lived just after the flood. Oldest recorded guy. He lived a super long time. He got old and he died, and we can't fault him for that, because he was old. He deserved to die at 130. They buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel both toward God and his house. An honorable burial. But then we get to verse 17. Yeah, uh-oh. Oh, great. It's right. Now, after the death of Jehoiada, the leaders of Judah came and they bowed down to the king. They saw an opportunity. Because up till this point, Jehoiada had been the mentor, the the father figure for Joash. He'd been guiding him in the way of God, and he'd been receptive to it. But then the leaders come, and they bow down before the king, and the king listened to them, it says. And what did the leaders of Israel want to do? Verse 18, they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers, and they served wooden images and idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespass. Just like that. He'd gone from temple restorer and reformer to temple desecrator. Verse 19, God tried to do everything he could. He sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord. And they testified against them, but they would not listen. You know, most of the time in the Bible, the, the, the ministry of a prophet is not to foretell the future, but to simply help try and get people back to God. And hey, you've left the Lord, come back to God. That's what the ministry of the prophets mostly was. And then it gets even worse. Verse 20, the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada. So who, who is this? This is the, the priest's son. Joash grew up with this guy. He's like a stepbrother. We don't know the age difference, but they were, you know, they knew each other. They hung out together. They were mentored and raised by the same guy. Jesus mentions Zechariah. He mentions Zechariah. You'll see why. Son of Jehoiada, the priest, who stood above the people, and he said to them, Thus says God, Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? He's standing up on a a platform here. And he's talking down to the people and he's saying, why are you breaking God's commandments? Why are you doing this? Can't you see we're not prospering in this condition? And look at what he, he continues. He says, because you have forsaken the Lord, he has also forsaken you. So they conspired against him. And at the command of the king, King Joash, they stoned him with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. Thus Joash did not remember the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done to him, but killed his son, and as he died, he said, The Lord look on it and repay. Crazy story. This young guy whose heart had been so impressionable and had been so receptive to the good counsel of Jehoiada, to the work of the Holy Spirit in his life, 
Now his mentor dies, and he decides to go along with the advice of the leaders who wanted to get him to walk away from God. And then he kills even the guy that was a brother figure to him, not remembering the kindness of Jehoiada. And the Bible goes on to to, to share the, the sad downfall. Verse 23, it talks about in the spring, there was a military campaign. During this campaign, Jehoash, uh, Jeho- Jehoash, sorry, in other translations, Jehoash, most translations, Joash. Joash, verse 25, gets wounded. When they had withdrawn for him, for he was severely wounded, wounded in battle, his own servants conspired against him because of the blood of the sons of Jehoiada the priest and killed him on his bed. So he died. And they buried him in the city of David, but they did not bury him in the tombs of the kings. I don't like reading these sad stories to you, church. (laughs) But sometimes a sad story is better to remind us that we can have a bright story because it helps us really analyze our own lives. What was it that led Joash, who started off so good, to turn against God, turn against his mentor, all the things he had worked towards? He had been the one to spearhead this charge to get the temple back, and then all of a sudden he's turning on the building that he had built up. What was it? The turning point for the story is when the priest died. You can't blame him, though. It appears as though Joash had roots in his faith. But like the parable of the sower, sowing seed in different areas, it appears as though Joash's roots didn't go down very deep. And when he lost his support system, he wasn't able to stand on his own, in his own faith with God. He was, as it were, a third wheel with Jehoiada's faith with God. There was God and Jehoiada, the priest, and he was this third wheel that was tagging along and and doing the things that they were doing. But he didn't have that relationship for himself. So when he lost that support, he fell away. Kind of makes you think. It's easy for us in our own hearts to say, yeah, I love God. I'll never fall away. Kind of sounds like what Peter said. Lord, I love you. I'll never deny you. And then he denied him three times, right? It's easy for us to overestimate our skills, our abilities. Have you ever done that before? Oh, I can do this. That's not a problem. Oh, man. I remember one time I was on my bicycle on top of some picnic tables in the park across from our house. My friend at summer camp had been riding his bike and doing all sorts of cool things. And he showed me how you can just ride a wheelie off of a, a, a drop and land on your back tire. It's called a wheelie drop. And no problem. And he made it look so easy. So there I am, 
And I literally said to myself, because I'd been practicing, I said, there's absolutely no way this can go wrong. <laughs> and I believed it. There was nobody around. I wasn't showing off for anybody. It was just me. Rode that bike. Tried to pop the wheelie, but didn't get it right for some reason. Couldn't get my hands up in time. And fortunately, I had a, a head and a neck to absorb my absorb my fall, otherwise uh, my lower body might have gotten really hurt. <laughs> Grass and dirt up my nose. And <laughs> That's when I learned the importance of physical therapy after that. <laughs> Ask me later what my physical therapist's name was. It's very interesting. <laughs> no. I believe that I could do it. Maybe I should practice a little more, more first. <laughs> it's easy to overestimate our abilities and say, I got this. No problem. God and me are tight. We're like this. And then something pops up in our life. And what do we do? We find ourselves falling flat. We find ourselves walking away from the God we professed to serve always. This is such a, a timely sermon. It just happened to fall on a, on a dedication weekend. Little Penelope, one year old. Well, not one year, but less than a year. Kind of like Joash, starting off. And you guys are committed to raising her and being there for her. All of us are growing. Some of us are babies as Christians and others are a little bit further along. But there's no, no graduation in the Christian faith, because God wants us to always be growing. My dad, he said to me, John, you're either green and growing, or you're ripe and rotting. And if we don't embrace this always need to be growing attitude, without realizing it, we'll start rotting in our faith. And when we lose our support, we may fall away too. So what can we get from the sad story? A need to examine our own hearts. Say, God, where am I at? God, how can I grow my roots deeper? I don't want to be a third wheel and ride off of someone else's faith. I want to develop my own faith. Grow my roots deep. So that no matter what happens, I will stick with you. Not only that, but we can encourage each other along the way. Because we need each other. We don't come to church simply to be blessed. We come to church to be a blessing to other people. There are people at potluck that you need to encourage today. There are people that aren't here today that you need to call and encourage or visit. There are family members that need to be encouraged. So let's unite together and grow our roots deeper for God so that we won't be third wheels in the faith life, but that we can have our own connection. Is that your desire? Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, I'm grateful for new life, and I'm grateful for old life, and everything in between. Today, we say, yes, we want to grow deeper. We want to know you more. So help us, Lord, expose us. If, if there are areas of our heart that were self-deceived, show us, lead us, and guide us. In Jesus' name, let everybody say, Amen. Amen. See you this afternoon. God bless.